0: Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and in accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's
1: Paul. There and welcome, welcome to the legal merry-go-round, where the saying that I always provide is particularly of application today. That is, avoid the downs and savor the ups. I am your host on this Fender Bender Friday edition of the legal merry-go-round, and we are going to talk to you today about ski. Accidents. Skiing, yes. Do you go to the slopes? Avoid the downs and savor the ups. Couldn't be better said. The slopes can be dangerous. I'm going to share before I get into this discussion today that I am absolutely a chicken. You know, when I was in law school, and even before then, go back before law school, I had lots of friends, oh, let's go skiing. And they'd go to the local places and some even went out to the beautiful ski lodges and resorts and mountains out in the West, Colorado in particular. I never wanted to go. I just was afraid I'd get hurt. I didn't want to break a leg and it was cold. It's cold outside. Now skiers say that, you know, no, it's not really that cold. You bundle up and you don't even feel the cold temperatures. I wouldn't know, but I just felt like, you know, why do I want to value uh, my time with the potential of injury And go out and break a leg, possibly, just for what? To go down a mountain? I spent my time uh, recreationally playing tennis, and I actually got pretty good at it, but uh, never wanted to go skiing. And so by the time I got to law school in Massachusetts, I mean, you can imagine up in the, the eastern part of our country, lots of ski places, all my buddies, all my friends, girlfriends, oh, come on, let's go skiing. We'll have a blast. We'll make a weekend out of it. No, thanks. I either stayed home and studied or went and played tennis indoors. Okay, well, enough about me. I want to get right into this. You know, skiing and snowboarding, I guess, from all the people that do it, that's supposed to be a lot of fun. I guess it is. We see pictures of people having, you know, smiles on their faces. But injuries can result from skiing and from snowboarding accidents. And they can range from mild injuries, you know, to your knee, uh, lower leg fractures, wrist sprains unfortunately, to severe life-altering conditions like serious head and spinal injuries, even death. Um, As skiing and snowboarding enthusiasts pursue greater speeds and more challenging moves, you can imagine that the number and the type of uh, injuries and the severity of those injuries increases. Now, a recent study, uh, the... um, study found a dramatic increase in traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries as a result of skiing and snowboarding accidents with children and adolescents snowboarding alone are you ready for this accounts for more injuries than any other act outdoor activity that's uh that's frightening at least to me i don't know i'm not a daredevil i'm a chicken but i want to share with you a couple of cases and then i'm going to take a break and I'm going to go into the law and give you some advice. Yeah, that's great advice, Paul. (laughs) You don't ski, but you're going to give me advice? Yeah, I'm going to give you legal advice. There was a settlement in a case involving a ski accident. Uh, This was a little unusual, but again, it it fits into this overall umbrella of ski stuff. A group of co-workers, uh, police co-workers, went on a ski trip Um, One of them, the least experienced of the group, uh, ended up being injured. Uh, One of the group, one of the police, found delight in knocking down other skiers and recording it on a GoPro. Okay, go figure that. Okay, I guess now the police have these uh, cameras they wear on their bodies, so uh, this one took it to literally and put it on the slopes and put it on his body. I don't know what he did, but it was all recorded on a GoPro. So when this jokester hits this guy, the collision broke uh, the shoulder of the of the one who was knocked down. The final diagnosis was a fractured humeral head requiring surgery. Uh, he lost about a week of wages, and moreover, he was very afraid of retaliation because the the jokester was a superintendent at the police department where he worked. So they settled out of court for $300,000. Now, another case, um, this was uh, a little bit more interesting because of some of the legal theories involved, and I'm going to get to that, but um, this was a case in the Washington, D.C. area, um, and the question was whether a ski resort could be held responsible for one of their skiers' injuries. Uh, That occurred while she was snowboarding. So I'm talking about skiing when I got two snowboarding cases I've talked about here. But uh, the case presents an interesting issue, Um, whether or not the resort can be held responsible for things like the skiing, snowboarding, rock climbing, bicycling, or any other outdoor activity that takes place on another's property with their permission. So the case went to court. According to the court's opinion, the plaintiff, the one who was injured, was a season pass holder at the defendant's ski resort. Now, before obtaining her season pass, and I'm sure all you skiers are familiar with this, uh, you have to sign, and in this case the plaintiff did sign, a liability release form acknowledging certain risks that are clearly associated with these types of activities. Part of the release said posed by various in-terrain and snow conditions, unmarked obstacles, devices, and other hazards, whether they are obvious or not, collisions with natural and man-made objects, including snowmaking equipment, snowmobiles, and other over-snow vehicles. The waiver also contained a clause agreeing not to hold the ski resort liable for injuries caused by its own negligence. So this particular uh, young lady, on the last day of her run, uh, she collides with a snow cat. Um, That's not an animal. It's a machine. But see, I guess if you're a skier, you know that. I just learned this. Uh, It's a large vehicle that grooms ski runs, making them smoother and more enjoyable to ski on. So the plaintiff, uh, this lady, was seriously injured as a result of the collision, and she filed a lawsuit against the ski resort. She claimed that the ski resort was grossly negligent in the operation of the snowcat. Specifically, she says that it was grossly negligent to operate this machine during times when skiers were on the hill. And I got to kind of agree with that. I think that's right. The ski resort claimed, however, that the plaintiff, this woman, assumed the risks involved in skiing and that she should not be permitted to bring the case based on her assumption of the risk that was involved. So to make this clear, if you're not familiar with that legal term, assumption of the risk, if you're on a 10-story building and you jump off, you assume the risk of your injury that you're going to go splat when you hit the sidewalk. So in support of her claim, this woman intended to call three expert witnesses, all of whom uh, we're going to testify that the ski resort was indeed grossly negligent. But the judge didn't allow that testimony, stating that their testimony was irrelevant to the question of whether the plaintiff assumed the risks involved in skiing. The court then dismissed the plaintiff's case and the plaintiff appealed. The woman appealed. She didn't like the trial judge's ruling. So, on appeal, the court agrees. Trial court agrees with the lower court that the expert's testimony was irrelevant and it was properly excluded from evidence. The appellate court explained that the question presented by the case was whether the plaintiff was aware of the risks involved in skiing and voluntarily assumed those risks. The court explained that the plaintiff indicated she was aware of the risks when she signed the liability release waiver. It noted that, her proposed experts were only prepared to testify that the resort was grossly negligent by operating the snowcat during times when skiers were on the hill. So the court determined that the expert's testimony did not go to the heart of the question presented to the jury and therefore was properly excluded from evidence. Uh, Sorry about that, lady, but again, if you jump off of a building and uh, you you recognize that there's a danger there, and you sign something in advance that says, if I jump off the building, I'm not going to hold you responsible, then uh, sorry about that. Uh, not a good tasting tuna, as the expression goes. There's another case that, that I want to share with you before I take the break. This was out in Colorado, where uh, it ends up that there is a settlement in the case. So you'll be happy to know before I even t- start talking that you know there was a, a moderately good result here for the, the injured party. But Uh, This is a case where John, 63 years old, a dentist, was skiing with his wife and friends. And as he goes down the ski slope, um, he collides with a teenager by the name of Sam, uh, who was performing a spin maneuver, some kind of, I don't know, you know, what you'd call it, a spin maneuver, whatever, you know, it was a flipper, you know, who knows? I don't know what those terms are. Um, But the two collide. And John suffers a traumatic brain injury, a neck fracture uh, that had a need for fusion surgery and a shoulder fracture uh, that required additional surgery. So again, John, this dentist, uh, he had enjoyed a vigorous physical activity prior to this in his life. He's now limited in his physical abilities and tolerance for stress. He's unable to do his job. He was earning about a quarter of a million dollars annually. Andy requires pretty much round-the-clock care from his wife. Um, he sued Sam, the uh, the acrobat on the uh, the slopes, uh, alleging that um, he failed to uh, to stop and look before making this the the spin maneuver. That's what Sam was claiming uh, that that John, uh, being above him, um, you know, should have looked. Sam asserted that John had been negligent for traversing the slope in an area that was blind to uphill skiers. You know, I I think the way I explained that probably was confusing. Sam is the one who was doing the maneuver, the, the flip flop or the, the spin or whatever. And he was, uh, higher than John. And so, uh, as he does his spin maneuver, he, he spins into John. I guess that's exactly what happened here. So, he moves Sam, the flip-flopping guy, the maneuvering guy. He moves for what is called in the law summary judgment. But the court ruled that John uh, below Sam had not been negligent because uphill skiers could slow down or stop and they should be able to see the terrain below. The court also ruled that John had not assumed any risk um, because you know he's just going down the slopes. Anyway, at the end of this case, they settled for 3.25 million dollars that was paid by the uh, flip-flopping uh, spinning guy's insurance company. Interesting case. These cases, again, depending upon how how badly people get hurt, they can involve some very serious injuries. And if insurance proceeds are there uh, to cover these types of injuries and losses, uh, they can be high-dollar cases. I'm going to take a break, and we're going to come back and go through some legal stuff on the, the ups and downs, as the merry-go-round slogan is, of the ski world. okay so this is one that i think maybe uh might have been on one of those uh evening shows that highlight sensational crimes uh it sounds somewhat familiar but uh, you have to hear this this was all the way back in 1980 a woman named lindy lindy chamberlain right was camping with her husband and two-month-old child, Azaria. Azaria disappears one night, and Chamberlain claims that a dingo snatched her from their tent and ate her. No one believed her. uh, Would you? So she was charged and arrested for murder and convicted. A few years later, a piece of Azaria's clothing was found outside a dingo's lair. After spending three years behind bars, she was acquitted and released. Wow. Do you go camping? Beware the (laughs) dingoes.
0: Okay, it's break time here on The Merry-Go-Round. We want to give you value. So do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.TheLegalMerryGoRound.com. Again, that's TheLegalMerryGoRound.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free. No charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up and every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to TheLegalMaryGoRound.com. And now, back to the show
1: okay well we're back just for you all the way in the back raise your hand yes you're the one it's just for you okay so um i was talking about the last case with John, the dentist who got badly hurt, uh, sued Sam. Um, and this happened in Colorado. Again, I found this in my research, so I'll just share this with you. Colorado has a very interesting law that I don't know exists in other places, but I found this about Colorado. So again, I'll share it because if you are a ski aficionado, you should know this, particularly if you go out and do this uh, outdoor wintry activity. Uh, in Colorado. There's a lot of skiing in Colorado. I mean, that's one of the main main things that p- folks out there do. I mean, my wife and I actually stayed at a, a place in Colorado, Colorado uh, uh, Springs, I think it was, or I don't even remember where it was. It was so long ago, but it was a beautiful little town and we did everything but skiing because again, I'm a chicken. But anyway, um, Colorado has something called the Ski Safety Act. And it has uh, very interesting uh, rules and guidelines. You should look it up before you go out there. But I'm going to share just one of the things that's an important uh, aspect of the Ski Safety Act in Colorado. The uphill skier, that is the skier higher up on the hill or the mountain, is presumed to be responsible for an accident that occurs with a downhill skier, a skier lower on the hill or mountain. And that's exactly what happened with this case that I just shared with you before the break with John uh, and Sam. So it's not always the case. I mean, I'm sure there could be exceptions, but a presumption in the law means that the party who has the, uh, the downside of that, pardon the pun, but the party who is presumed against has a burden to overcome that presumption meaning uh, that you win if you are the plaintiff and you're suing the defendant. The defendant was uphill. You win unless the defendant can prove something other than uh, the facts as these uh, details of this Ski Safety Act would provide for. You've got to show something that the plaintiff did that takes the presumption and throws it out the window. Presumption. Okay, well, let's go back a couple of steps. I, I want to just share some ideas, mm-hmm. common causes of skiing and snowboarding injuries and the legal basis of skiing uh, and snowboarding injury lawsuits, that sort of thing. Common types of skiing and snowboarding accidents include collisions with other skiers or snowboarders, falls or collisions uh, with objects such as trees, fences, barriers, or signs, Uh Chair lift accidents. That's interesting. I've been on a chair lift now a couple of times and it's a lot of fun. I love taking pictures when I'm high, you know, down below. Um, accidents due to inadequate instruction from a skiing or snowboarding instructor and accidents due to skiing or snowboarding equipment failure. So if those are the basic kinds of injuries that can occur, and certainly I'm imagining there could be more, but That would account for a good number of them, a a goodly and high percentage. Um, The legal basis for skiing and snowboarding injury lawsuits is a word that we use in the law over and over again for all types of these injury claims, no matter where it happens, and that word is negligence. Most personal injury lawsuits are based on the legal theory called negligence. If your skiing or snowboarding injury Mm -hmm. Is based on negligence. You're going to need to prove that the party you're suing, the defendant, is legally responsible or at fault. Now, your lawsuit based on the theory of negligence uh, could be due to any of the following. In this ski scenario, you collided with the skier or snowboarder who was behaving carelessly or recklessly. The mountain terrain on which you were skiing or snowboarding was poorly maintained, marked, or designed or your skiing or snowboarding instructor led you to terrain that was beyond your capability level. It's also possible that you might have a claim for defective products. If your skiing or snowboarding injury was caused by a defective or dangerous product, such as a chairlift or ski binding, you might be entitled to compensation from the companies that designed, uh, manufactured, or distributed the product. This is the kind of thing that... um, you know, people may not think about. Uh, In some cases, these accidents uh, can be caused by defective product, skis, helmets, protective gear, uh, other ski-related gear, ski lifts, as I said. So in this world of defective product, there's, again, just bear with me, I'm going to explain this, three different types of claims that you may have. The first is warning label defects. Number one, warning label defects. These are defects where the product does not have the proper warning information or labels when it's purchased. This could obviously lead to a very serious injury if the product is not used properly or if it's used without fully understanding the risks involved. Okay, warning label defects. The second is design defects. Number two, design defects. Design defects are failures related to the way the product is engineered or designed. As an example, if the design of a ski makes it such that the foot strap is weak, it could obviously lead to an accident and resulting liability for the manufacturer. Third concept, third idea, manufacturing defects. These defects occur during the assembly of the ski product. For instance, if a ski helmet is assembled and important proper shock absorbing materials are left out accidentally due to an error, it certainly could result in liability if the defect results in an injury. So, if you're hurt, ski accident, having to do with a product, keep in mind these three different types of things. Now, I want to go back, And talk again about a very important concept because when a plaintiff makes a claim for injury against a defendant, the wrongdoer, the at fault party, the party believed to be at fault, the party believed to be responsible, there is a defense to these claims. And it is, again, I've talked about it in the first half of the show today, assumption of the risk defense. These activities, skiing and snowboarding, they're known to be potentially dangerous because there are risks in participating in these sports. The defendant, the ski resort owner or operator, even another skier or snowboarder who ran into you can raise the assumption of the risk defense. By raising this defense, they're arguing that you're not entitled to compensation because you chose to take part in an activity that was likely to cause you harm. And that's a well-established concept in the law. So be very careful uh, about what's going on. Understand the risk before you jump off the building. Now, I want to share one last idea with you, um, and that is that these kinds of cases are founded on the theory of negligence, and I want to share how that is put together. These lawsuits, like all injury lawsuits, based on negligence, there are claims here that are determined by the negligence on the part of the, the one believed to be responsible, the defendant. There are four elements which must be proved in a successful negligence claim, and this applies to ski accidents. Number one, a duty. Number one, a duty. Here, let's just use the ski discussion. The ski resort had a responsibility or duty to act with a reasonable amount of care. You have to prove that. Number two, breach of the duty. Through either the commission of an act or an omission, the ski resort breached their duty of care to be reasonable and give a reasonable amount of care to what it is that they're doing. Number three, causation. It must be shown that the ski resort's conduct or negligence caused the injuries. So just because you're at a ski resort and you bite into something that uh, you brought from your house in a backpack, you know, and it had a nail in it, that's got nothing to do with a causation issue here. Now, that's a ridiculous example, but that just came to my mind, so you get the benefit of my ridiculous example. The point is you have to show a duty, a breach of the duty, You have to prove that the breach of the duty caused your injury. And last but not least, to build a successful skiing accident case like any other injury case, you have to show damages. Damages, okay? You have to be able to show that the resort caused the injuries for which you're seeking monetary compensation. The fact that you might need a Band-Aid, well, okay, you can have damages, but that's probably probably not going to be the best case. Okay, folks, so... This kind of wraps up the, uh, the session today and the show today on ski accidents. I remain a chicken. I am not going to go skiing. I'm more than happy to accompany all of my friends that do. And I'll sit in the ski lodge and have some, uh, some hot chocolate and enjoy the fire, but you're not going to see me out on the ski range, ski range. Is it called a range? The ski slopes. You're not going to see me with those, uh, Th- those long feet attached to my uh, to, uh, to my ankles and to my uh, to my feet—that's just not going to happen. Anyway, uh, when you do go out there, you can say, "Hey, that lawyer I heard on this podcast—he's a chicken." And look how much fun I'm having, and I'm truly, truly happy for you. But uh, I want you to be safe. Uh, remember, always, 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 don't text while skiing. Huh? Don't text while driving either. Anyway best to you. Thank you for tuning in today to the Friday edition of Fender Bender Fridays. This is not Fender Bender. It is Ski Bender. And uh, avoid the ups, uh, avoid the downs, I should say, and savor the ups. Uh, Be good. And I hope you're going to tune in on Monday for our edition of Marital Mondays. Take care and have a good weekend.
0: Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.